representatives of Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing. We're a local congregation. As our name would suggest, we minister in the Partick area of Glasgow. We are a Scottish registered charity and we meet at Two Thornwood Terrace, that's Upton Barton Road. And when you come to the police station, if you go up the hill opposite the police station, you will come to Thornwood Primary School. And we meet next door at Two Thornwood Terrace. And we meet on the Lord's Day, that's Sunday, at 11 a.m. And again, in the early evening at 6 p.m. And we would extend uh, a warm welcome to you to come along to any of these services. They are open to the public. And we also have a, a midweek meeting on Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. But for a few moments this afternoon, we are delighted to be able to be out on Buchanan Street. And we want to draw your attention to the essentials and the basics of biblical Christianity. We take all our doctrine, all our teaching from the infallible Word of God. And we are not ashamed of it because the Bible says of itself, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. And we have therefore great confidence in the Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And for the time that we're with you this afternoon, we would like to introduce you to the very basics of biblical Christianity and to draw your attention to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible makes it abundantly clear right at the very beginning in Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, and the first verse in the first chapter tells us, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. There God is revealing that He is the great Creator. He does not seek to argue for his existence? Why not? Well, he knows that all of us know that God exists. There are no such thing as atheists. They may well claim to be atheists, but as far as the Bible is concerned, all of us have a knowledge of God. And therefore, as he begins his revelation, he does not seek to establish his existence. He takes it as a fact, and as a fact that is known by every single individual. And this is what we find in uh, 
the book of Romans, written by Paul, the apostle, under the inspiration of the Spirit. He's talking about the natural man, and he's talking about what he knows. And he begins in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. And what he's telling us there, friends, in these verses is that we have by nature an inbuilt, inbuilt knowledge of God. We know God exists. And the problem with us is that we don't want to live up to that knowledge that we have. Instead, we seek to suppress it. We don't want to be reminded that we know God. We don't love Him as we should. There's no doubt about that. But we have a knowledge of God. This is what the Bible teaches us. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. We have an internal knowledge of the God of the Bible, a knowledge that we cannot deny. I ask you, you have a conscience. Where did that conscience come from? Where did it come from? Ask the evolutionists, where did it come from? They cannot give an answer. Well, I can tell you where it came from. It came from God. It is, as we might say in modern vernacular, it is part of our DNA. It's part of the image of God that is in every single one of us. We have this knowledge of right and wrong. And when we do right, our conscience does not condemn us. And when we do wrong, that same conscience does condemn us. And this is part of that knowledge that we have of God that is within us. But he goes on to say, For God has showed it unto them. What's he shown unto them? What has God revealed to us externally? Well, surely, friends, it's the very fact of creation. Here we have a wonderful, glorious, complex creation all around us. We have the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets. Where did they come from? They came from God. And every day that we wake up, and every time that we open our eyes, and when we look at God's creation, creation is speaking to us. It is telling us that there is a God, and there is the God of the Bible. Not just any God in a, in a vague sense. It is revealing to us the Godhead, the power, the glory of Almighty God, the one who created us, the one who formed us. And this is indeed what He has done. The Bible teaches us God created man, male and female, after His own image in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. That's what the Bible teaches regarding our creation 
where we have come from. And therefore, since we have been created by God in His image, for that's what the Bible teaches us, for God created man, male and female, after His own image in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, with dominion over the creatures. That's the great God of the Bible. That's the great God who created our first parents. Adam was created from the dust, and his wife, Eve, was created from Adam. They were our first parents. They were the first man and woman in this world. And from them has come all mankind. We have uh, common parents. It doesn't matter the color of our skin. It doesn't matter what language we speak. We all ultimately can trace our lineage back to that first couple, Adam and Eve. And they were created perfectly. That is what we're told. God created man, male and female, after His own image in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. But what happened? Because we have a lot of problems in our society and in our world today. How can we account for all of these things? Well, friends, we have to put into the picture that our first parents, something happened to them. They were given a very clear and concise commandment. Adam was told, as he was placed in the Garden of Eden with his wife, he was told that he could eat the fruit from all the trees in the garden, apart from one. Now we believe there was nothing special about this tree that he could not eat the fruit of. It was simply a test. God was testing Adam and Eve. Did they really love him or not? Would they obey him? Would they obey their Creator? Therefore, He gave them this simple, clear command. You can eat from all the trees in the garden, but one tree you cannot eat. And that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they were told clearly, plainly, pointedly, if you eat of that fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall die. What happened? Well, friends, you might well know what happened. God's enemy, the evil one, Satan, came and tempted Eve. And she listened to the temptation. She was deceived. She looked at the tree. She got the fruit. She ate it. And then she gave the fruit to her husband, and he disobeyed. Now, you might well say to yourselves here on the 21st century, as we're in Buchanan Street on Glasgow City Center, we, you might say, well, it's no big deal, is it? They ate a bit of fruit. Surely it's not a bad thing. Surely it's, it's not, nothing to take any notice of. Well, we beg to disagree. Why do we disagree? We disagree, friends, because they committed high treason. 
that is why. God had laid everything on for them. Everything they wanted or needed was provided for them. And to side with God's enemy was the highest act of treason. Now, again, you might well say to you, me, well, it doesn't really affect me, does it? Here I am in the 21st century. Surely what my first parents did doesn't really matter to me. It doesn't affect me. Well, it does. It most certainly does. Why? Because he was the very head of humanity. And you were with him. He was your representative. And when he sinned, you sinned. When he committed high treason, you committed high treason. Because the guilt of Adam's sin has been imputed to his posterity. That is why the Bible tells us now that even at con on conception we have inherited Adam's sinful nature. And when we are born into this world, we are born sinners. We don't become sinners, we are sinners. Again, this might not be a problem to you. You might not consider it. But as far as God is concerned, it is a great problem. Because to be a sinner, we are separated from God, and we don't have that relationship that we should have with our Creator God. The moment that Adam and Eve sinned, they died. They didn't die physically. They died spiritually. What does that mean? Well, they lost the communion and fellowship that they once enjoyed with their Creator God. They died in that sense. And when we come into this world, we may be perfectly normal and fit and have plenty of physical life, but we don't have spiritual life. We are dead in trespasses and sins, the Bible says. And therefore, friends, there is a real problem because we are estranged and we are separated from God, the one who made us and the one who formed us. And the Bible talks about sin. Indeed, we cannot understand the Bible unless we have some kind of understanding of the doctrine of sin. The soul that sinneth it shall die, the Bible says. That's how serious it is. It is serious in the sight of God because God is a holy God. One of the prophets in the Bible described God like this, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. That's the God who made you and formed you. That's the God to whom you are accountable unto. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. And therefore, friends, I would suggest to you that we have a real problem. God is a holy God. 
righteous, pure, undefiled. And we by nature are not. We are by nature unclean in His sight. Now these things are not flattering for us. Well, the Bible is never out to flatter us. Instead, the Bible's there to inform us and to tell us the truth. And the Bible is a book whereby if we listen to it and obey what it tells us, it will take us to glory. But if we continue as we are, we will not end up in glory. And therefore, we must pay heed to the message that we find in the Word of God. In the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, again, I would advise you to look this up. Don't simply listen to what I say, but look it up, and you'll find it in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 25, where it reads, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. That may well describe you this afternoon. You might say to yourself, well, this is my life. I want to live my life any way I like. This is the way that I think is right. Well, the Bible says to you, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And if we are following our own way, without regard to what we find in the Bible, we can be described as ones who walk in a way that seems right unto ourselves. We are instead to humble ourselves, and we are to come, and we are to listen to the ways that we find in the Word of God. What does the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us we are to repent and we are to believe the gospel. You may well ask, well, what is repentance? What is it to repent? Well, it's quite clear and quite simple. It's to recognize that we are sinners in the sight of God and we are to turn from our sins. What is sin, you might say? Sin is any want of or conformity unto the law of God. God has given us His law, and we might summarize it in the Ten Commandments. God gave the Ten Commandments in written form to Moses, the great Old Testament leader in uh, Exodus chapter 20. But every one of us by nature has the law of God written on our hearts. Now, because of sin, that law is not clear. It is smudged. It is scarred. It is out of focus. And therefore, that's why we have it in codified form in the Bible. God bless you, brother. Thank you, sir. That's why we have it in codified form in the Bible. And we have the Ten Commandments, and it begins, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, 
That's the most important commandment. It's the first one. And what is it saying? It's saying, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. In other words, we are to serve the one true and living God, who alone is God. Who is that God? That God is the one who made you and formed you. That is the one who has revealed himself to you in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are to worship, adore, and serve him and him only. Now, is this something that you do? I don't wish to be in any sense offensive this afternoon, but the likelihood is that you've got up this morning and you've never thought about God at all. You've never thanked Him for your rest. You've never thanked Him for your breakfast. You've never acknowledged the health and the strength that He's given to you. You've never acknowledged the temporal blessings that He has lavished upon you. You have a, a wife, a spouse, a child or children or grandchildren. You have a job, you have family, you have friends, you have food, you have water, you have shelter, you have clothes. You have many, many blessings that God in His great grace and mercy has lavished upon you. Yet you take these things for granted. You never call upon God. You never give Him thanks. You live your life without any reference to the one true and living God. I put it to you, therefore, you have broken the first commandment. Why? Is that so? Well, Jesus was asked one day, which is the greatest commandment? And He said, the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like it. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when we consider how Jesus describes the Ten Commandments, have we lived like that? Do we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? And do we love our neighbor as ourselves? If we're honest with ourselves, we have to acknowledge we have never done this. And what's more, because we are sinners, we cannot. It's beyond us. We cannot do it. And therefore, we have broken God's law. Therefore, we are sinners in the sight of God. And friends, let us remind ourselves that according to God's Word, I'm going to find it for you and read it in James chapter 2. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. And what the apostle there is saying, if we think that we have kept the law, yet we have broken one of them, then we have broken them all. 
That's our position as far as the Word of God is concerned. We are sinners in the sight of God. The Bible says, For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It goes on, For there is none righteous, no, not one. Therefore, friends, we have a real problem. We are sinners. We cannot save ourselves. We will stand before an almighty God. We'll give an account. What are we to do? That's our predicament. We are found guilty by breaking God's law, and the wages of sin is death. Well, have we got any good news this afternoon? Well, we can say yes. We can say a resounding yes. What is the good news? The good news is that the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, has come down from heaven, and He has undertaken what we could never do. He has fulfilled God's law. He has perfectly kept God's law. This person, the Son of God, became the Son of Man. He became just like us, sin only accepted, and he lived a perfect life. He never had a wrong thought. He never uttered a wrong word. He never performed a sinful deed. And all the days of his life, he lived a perfect life. He fulfilled the law of God. And what's more, he fulfilled the penalty for mankind breaking God's law. What was that penalty? Well, I told you earlier, the penalty for breaking God's law is death. And that's what Jesus did. He died. And when He died, He was offering up Himself as a once-for-all perfect sacrifice. And that sacrifice was to satisfy the just demands of God's holy and inflexible law. And therefore, friends, the very essence and the sum and substance of the Christian gospel is that Jesus Christ has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And all of us by nature are lost. We're perishing. We have no hope in of ourselves, but our hope rests upon another. Who is that other? He is none other than the Son of God, who became the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we come out. That's why we proclaim Him to you. That's why we speak of Him, that you might recognize the wonderful, glorious, divine provision that God has made for the salvation of sinners. And this is something that makes Christianity absolutely unique. What is it? Well, it tells us that the Son of God has come down from heaven in order to save mankind. This is unique because every other religion whether they be a major religion or a minor religion. All of them tell us what we have to do to get right with God. They tell us to work our way to heaven. 
whereas Christianity tells us that the Son of God has come down in order to take us to heaven. The Son of God has come down and become like us and stood in a room and place, took the punishment that was due unto mankind. There, God sent forth His only begotten Son in order to save sinners. This is good news for Glasgow. This is good news for all on Buchanan Street this afternoon because the law of God condemns us. But if we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, what happens? Our sins are forgiven. Is that not glorious? Is that not wonderful? Who can forgive your sins? None but Jesus Christ. He alone can forgive your sins. Well, it's a pleasure to be here this afternoon. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing a local congregation, and we welcome you to our services. Come along any Lord's Day. What day is that? You may well say, well, it's the first day of the week. It's Sunday. Why do we call it the Lord's Day? We call it the Lord's Day because that was the day when He arose from the grave. The grave could not keep the Son of God. On the third day, He came out of the grave to live forevermore. Yes, friends, our Savior is alive, alive forevermore. He cannot die. Death has no longer any hold upon the Son of God. Is that not the Savior you, that you need? The Savior who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel? Is this not the Savior that we need today on Buchanan Street? One who can forgive our sins? One who can give us new life? One who can take us to heaven? Why? Because He Himself is in heaven. Well, it's good to be here to be able to bring something of the Christian gospel to you. We're going to take a short break, but may the Lord be pleased to bless His Word to you this afternoon. Well, friends, it's a privilege to be with you here today on a beautiful day on Buchanan Street. We've come here to share with you the good news of the Gospel to declare unto you the Word of God as it concerns the Lord Jesus Christ. We read of good news of a Savior for sinners. In the book of Acts, we find that the Lord's apostles preach a gospel of good news for sinners. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Here we see good news that the God who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is contained in them, that he is no respecter of persons. He shows no partiality. That the God who made all things is the God of all nations. He doesn't care if you're from America, if you're from Scotland, or if you're from any part of the world. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. 
the God who is the King above all people. And that those in any nation who fear Him and work righteousness is accepted with Him. But perhaps you have the question, how can one be accepted with God? How can one be declared right before Him to dwell in God's presence? God is holy. He is just. He is good. His word is good. His law is holy, just, and good. And the problem that you and I face as those created in His image is that we have sinned against Him. The Lord is holy and He is just, and yet we are unholy and unjust. We are proud. We're prideful in our sin and rebellion against the Lord. We think that we can live life apart from Him any way that we so please and have no regard to Him. And because we've rebelled against His holy word and His law, we're deserving of nothing from Him but wrath. And you might say, well, that's not fair. I'm a good person. I'm a decent person. I keep the laws. I seek to do good to other people. When in reality, if you were to examine your own conscience before the law of God, you would see that you stand as a sinner, not in need of justice from God, but in need of mercy and grace. The Lord says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And what do we do? We introduce idols into our lives. We make graven images. We take His name in vain. And we treat the name of God as if it were a common thing. Whereas the name of God reveals all of His glory and perfection. We do not remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But we seek to do our own labor and our own desire on that day. We do not honor father and mother. We do not love our neighbor as ourselves. In fact, we hate And in light of that reality, friends, what do we deserve from the hands of the God who made all things? The God who is no respecter of persons, who shows no partiality. We read in the Word that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And yet we find that the Lord reveals in the midst of bad news of condemnation for sinners, the good news of the Gospel. He reveals unto us in His Word that He is a God who delights to save sinners. Those who have not loved Him, but those who have hated Him. Those who have hated others, and even themselves. We read of how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with Him. We read that sinners were those who slew and hung on a tree the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet Him God hath raised up the third day and showed Him openly. And He commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is He which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To Him give all the prophets witness that through His name whosoever believeth in Him shall receive remission of sins. Friends, we find that the law of God which is holy, just, and good, declares that we are unholy, unrighteous, and wicked before Him. 
And yet, O oh Lord, if that, were all, if that were all that we knew, if that were all that we knew from the Lord and His Word, we would have every reason to despair. And yet, friends, we come unto you preaching that same Christ that has been preached for 2,000 years. The Christ of the Scriptures. The One who came preaching the Kingdom of God. The One who came preaching the Gospel concerning His glorious person and work. That He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the One who comes to preach liberty to the captives. He comes bringing light to those who dwell in darkness. Are you dwelling in darkness? Are you despondent and in despair because of your own sin and misery? You feel as if you are without hope and without God in the world. That you have no delight in life. That you have no joy or no hope. Well, here comes the Lord Jesus Christ in His Word. He is the one who does good, who heals those who are oppressed, who preaches good news of the remission of sins. Friends, our sins condemn us before a holy God, and yet here we find Jesus Christ is the one who brings forgiveness and remission of sins, who cleanses from all unrighteousness, that He is the light of the world, that all of those who look to Him will not remain in darkness, but will have everlasting life. We read in the Word that the apostles were sent by the Lord Jesus Christ to declare the Gospel to every creature under heaven. The Lord Jesus has commissioned His disciples to go and teach all nations, to make disciples of the nations, teaching them to observe whatsoever Christ has commanded. And so we come here to teach what Christ has commanded. He has commanded that except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish in your sins. Friends, we must see that we are sinners. We must see not only that we are unclean and defiled with sin, but that our sin offends a holy God. And yet He comes to offer forgiveness to those who turn unto Him. We read in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There are many today who think that they can come to God on whatever terms they please. And they see themselves as a decent person. They wouldn't describe themselves as a sinner. They would describe themselves perhaps as imperfect, perhaps needing to improve, but they would not say that they are a sinner. And yet, the Lord says in His Word that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And therefore, because of our sin, we have been separated from God. God is light. God is love. And in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. Apart from God, there is only evil. There is only hatred. There is unrighteousness. So how is it, friends, that we can approach unto God? How is it that we can have the fullness of life, that we can have full enjoyment and satisfaction? It is through Jesus Christ. He is the way. There is only one way to God. 
And that is through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom He has appointed to be the Messiah, the Savior of sinners, who bore the sins of men in His own person on the cross, who stood in the place of sinners, though He was a righteous man, though He had done no wrong, though He had committed no sin in His person. Yet He comes in the fullness of time to live and to die for sinners and to offer forgiveness of sins in Himself. He is the only way. Where do you place your hope, friends? Where do you place your confidence for your own life and in death? If you were to die today, what would happen? Where would you be? Friends, the Bible teaches that all men made in the image of God have an immortal soul. And that there are only two places for sinners upon death. We find in the Word of God that there is the place of eternal destruction. In the presence of the wrath of the Lamb, even hell. And yet, what is hell but the separation from the favorable presence of God? It is death itself. It is what all men deserve because of rebellion, because of pride, because of self-worship and worshiping the creature rather than the Creator. And yet we see in the Word of God that He offers in the Gospel the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. And yet what is the way that you can find everlasting life? It is by looking to Jesus Christ. Jesus' own name means Jehovah is salvation. That He is the one who delights to deliver sinners from sin and misery. He comes to do good in His own person. We find that Jesus is the truth. That He is truth itself. We're very eager and very willing to believe a lie. We're very willing and eager to exchange the worship of God and uh, the, the things of God for the worship of creation and the things of creation. And yet we see that Jesus Christ is the truth. His Word is truth. And all those who look to Him will find truth in Him. Do you doubt, friends? Do you doubt of what will happen to you even in life and in death? Are you unsure and, and unstable upon the foundation of your own mind? Jesus Christ says that He is the truth and that He comes offering unto sinners truth in His person and His work because He is the life. The Scriptures say that we are to honor the Father and Christ says that we are to honor the Son even as we honor the Father that we are to believe the witness of the Father that Jesus Christ is the Savior of sinners and that in Him is everlasting life. All of those who come to Him by faith will in no wise be cast out. He welcomes all sinners. For God is not a God of partiality. He is not a God who delights in wickedness but He is a God who delights in the truth. 
Jesus says that no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ, friends, is a gracious sinner. We read in the Word of God that He is full of grace and truth. And what is grace but the unmerited favor of God? We read in the Word that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. But friends, how do we live soberly, righteously, and godly? We find in our own selves that we have not the strength to do it. That we are sinners, that we are unclean, that we are unable to keep the law of God. And therefore we need the grace of God. And where can the grace of God be found? The favor of God by which He does good unto His people. Well, all of the grace of God is found in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot find Him in any other person, in any other Savior, in any other faith. Jesus Christ does not say, you must be perfect and then the Father will accept you. He does not say that you must keep the law of God perfectly and then the Lord will love you. The Lord Jesus Christ says that though you are a sinner, yes, and though you have broken God's law and you do not deserve His love or His kindness, yet He offers forgiveness of sins and life everlasting, every good that you could ever desire by His grace and grace alone. And friends, that is what we are here to declare unto you. We are not here to preach ultimately the condemnation of sinners, but the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though all sinners deserve condemnation, yet we have a free gift of God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you think of Christ? Who is the Lord Jesus Christ to you? Is He a good teacher? Well, yes, all the, all the truths of God and all the wisdom and knowledge of God are found in Him, yes, but He is not merely a good teacher. Is He a good man? Yes. He was good. He is good and does good to all. And yet, He is not merely a good man or a righteous man. He is the Savior. He is man's only hope in life and death. You must not come to Jesus Christ merely for knowledge. To come to Jesus Christ merely for an intellectual enterprise. But you must come to the Lord Jesus Christ because you are a sinner. And He is a Savior for sinners. There is only one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. He who is true God. Who is a divine person. The eternal Son of God who though in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, he made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself. He took the form of a servant that he might come to redeem sinners from captivity, to redeem sinners from bondage to sin and misery. Friends, where is your hope placed? Is your hope placed in yourself? Is your hope placed in your own righteousness? The Bible says your righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. That it is unrighteousness 
before the God of heaven. There is only one mediator between God and men. Think of what a mediator does, friends, for two parties that are at war with one another. Think of nations at war with one another, even in business, people in conflict. What do they need? They need a mediator to go in between them to help settle things, to put away the enmity, to put away the strife and bitterness that stands between two parties. Well, so it is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who is the mediator between God and men. Though all sinners are enemies of God, yet the Lord Jesus Christ comes as the mediator. And sinners by faith in the Lord Jesus can be reconciled unto God. How did Jesus Christ reconcile sinners to God? How did He do so? We read that Jesus Christ was made sin, that He was made a curse, that He bore the sins of sinners in His own person, in His, in his own body on the tree, and He suffered for sinners. Jesus Christ suffered for sinners, the righteous one for unrighteous ones, that sinners might be brought unto God. Friends, Jesus Christ was made a curse and He bore the curse of the law. He bore the curse of God, the wrath of God on the cross, so that He cried out, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? So that sinners who were deserving of no good from God, of no mercy, might receive the blessing of the Lord in Christ. It is in Christ that all of the blessings of God come unto sinners. And He is the one who is willing and able to save all who come unto Him by faith. What does it mean to come to Christ? It means you hear His Word. You hear that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And you see that you are a sinner. And you see that therefore the Lord Jesus Christ came to save sinners, of whom you are chief. And that out of a sight of your own sin, a sight of your own unworthiness before the Lord, you see that all of God's mercy is to be found in Christ. And that you flee from the wrath which is to come by looking unto Christ, by believing in His name, by receiving and resting upon Him alone for salvation. Friends, this is good news for sinners, for those who have broken God's law, for those who do not deserve mercy. We find that the Lord is good and that He does good in providing a perfect substitute for sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? Why art Thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but Thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. Friends, these are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
even as, as He is dying for sinners upon the cross, that He is forsaken of God. He is smitten and afflicted. He is bruised and wounded for the transgressions and sins of the unrighteous. So that those who are forsaken of God, those who are far from God, might be brought near unto God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is the Lord Jesus Christ to you, friends? What do you know of Christ? We read that Jesus Christ is the Savior of sinners. But we read in the Scriptures that He is also our prophet, that He reveals the will of God for our salvation. And He declares that there is salvation in no other. The fullness of joy can be found in no other. It can be found in no one. It cannot be found in your spouse. It cannot be found in friends. The fullness of joy can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, do you lack joy? Do you despair in this present world? Are you without hope and without God in this world? Well, friends, where is your hope to be found? Where is the fullness of joy to be found? We find that joy, the full enjoyment of every good, and true blessedness is found in no other but resting in the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in Mark's Gospel that the Lord Jesus Christ at the beginning of His ministry came preaching. That He was preaching the Gospel of the Kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the Kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the Gospel. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. That He comes inviting sinners. That Jesus Christ invites those who have rebelled against Him to turn from sin and to turn unto the Redeemer, to believe in the good news. And what is the good news? But the Gospel of Jesus Christ Himself. That though we were unrighteous, yet He is the righteous one who lives and dies for sinners, who grants everlasting life to all who come to Him by faith. Jesus Christ is the one who heals. Jesus Christ is the one who grants life and life abundantly. And the Bible teaches what good news truly is, is that those who are sinners by nature can be reconciled unto God. We read in the first epistle of John that this is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with God and yet we walk in darkness, if we walk in sin, if we walk in rebellion against Him, 
that we are liars and we do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. Friends, if we say that we have no sin, if we say that we have done no wrong, if we say that we have not rebelled against God, if we say that we are on right terms with God, and yet we abide in our sins and abide in our darkness, well, God's Word says we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Are you deceiving yourself? Are you saying peace, peace unto your own conscience where there is no peace, but where there is only strife and enmity with God? Friends, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins unto God, that we have rebelled against Him, that yes, we have other gods before Him, we've set up idols in our own hearts, we've taken His name in vain even this day, we've broken His law, we've hated Him, him and our neighbor, we've only loved ourselves, that if we confess these sins unto God, that He is faithful, He is just, He promises to forgive from sin and to cleanse those sinners of unrighteousness. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have one to bring us unto the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That He is righteous in His person and that He came to save the unrighteous. He came to die for sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And therefore, He is your only hope in life and death. What does it mean to repent from sin, to confess our sin to God? It means that first we must acknowledge it. We must see that we are sinners, that we have broken God's law. And we not only see it for what it is, but we hate it and we despise it. We see that sin is that which breaks fellowship with God. Our sins have separated us from God. They've hidden His face from us. And yet the Lord says, if we confess our sins, if any sinner confesses his sin, God is faithful and just to forgive that sinner of all of his sins and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. Where do we look for eternal life and forgiveness of sins? In repenting from sin, we look unto the Lord Jesus Christ we see that God has been merciful to provide so great a Savior and so great a salvation from sin. And that salvation and deliverance from sin and eternal life is found only in Christ and in Christ alone. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, 
but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. This is good news, friends, that the Lord Jesus is one who comes not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. The Word of God says that yes, you are a sinner and you've fallen short of the glory of God. And yet the forgiveness of sins is offered unto you this day. Fellowship and communion with God is granted as a free gift, not to those who are righteous, but to those who are unrighteous and find all of their righteousness in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Friends, you must look to Him this day. And why must you look to Him? Because we know that he that believeth on Christ is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Here we read that those who believe on Christ are not condemned. But those who do not believe, and those who reject Him, and those who have seen that He has come into the world to save sinners, and yet they desire and delight in their own evil deeds and in darkness, that they will be condemned. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into His hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son of God shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Friends, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for you to see, yes, your sin, and yes, your misery, but to see a Savior from sin. To see one who offers himself freely unto sinners who calls out unto you to believe that He is the way, the truth, and the life. Won't you look to Him that He would be your only hope in life and in death? That the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who came, yes, doing good. That He is the one who was preached by the apostles and who has been preached by the church throughout all generations. That He is the gospel. That He is good news for sinners. And yet, O oh Lord, we, we see that the Lord is good. We see that He desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That He does not delight in the death of the wicked. That His delight is with those who look unto the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord rejoices to forgive sins. The Lord delights to forgive sinners of their sins and unrighteousness. Friends, this day the gospel comes unto you. Good news that the Lord Jesus Christ has come to save sinners. That He has come as the righteous one in the place of the unrighteous. That sinners might be saved and reconciled to God in Him. And yet that gospel call going out demands something of you. 
that you are not left neutral to this gospel call. But you must respond. You must hear that the Lord calls you to repent and believe in the gospel. And you must look to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way, the only truth, and the only life to grant sinners everlasting life and communion with God forever. Friends, receive and rest upon this Savior alone. He delights to hear your prayers. Perhaps you've never prayed. Perhaps you have never cried out to God to forgive you of your sins. Yet the Lord delights to hear prayer. The Lord delights to hear the prayers of sinners. The Lord delights to hear those confess their sins unto Him. The Lord delights when sinners, in seeing their sin, confess it. But He delights most of all in those who look upon His Son, who look upon the Lord Jesus Christ and who cry out to God that they would have forgiveness in and through Him and Him alone. Friends, today is the day of salvation. Look unto the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who offers eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. Look unto Him and live. Why will you die? Why will you perish because of your sin? And yet, how can you live and have eternal life forever? It is by looking unto Christ. So this day, even now, this very moment, cry out unto God that He would be merciful unto you, a sinner. Cry out that He would grant unto you faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That He would give you the Holy Spirit to open your eyes, to grant you a sight by faith of the person and work of Christ. We come here this day to proclaim this message unto you. And we delight to do so. We delight to share with you the good news of the gospel. Friends, this day look unto the Lord Jesus Christ and live. For He is your only hope and life and death. Amen. And may God add His blessing into the reading and proclamation of His gospel. It's good to be with you this afternoon. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing uh, a local Glasgow congregation. And we meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace, up Dumbarton Road. And when you come to the police station, you will see opposite the police station, a hill, go up the hill, and you'll come first of all to Thornwood Primary School. And then you'll find our building next door at the crossroads. Please come along any Lord's Day, that Sunday at 11 a.m. And again, in the early evening at 6. And we also have a, a midweek meeting on Wednesday evening, beginning at 7.30 p.m. Now, we realize you might not be a regular churchgoer. In fact, you might never have gone to a Christian place of worship, and you might be a wee bit apprehensive about going to such a place for the first time. Well, let me put you at ease. You would be made most welcome 
and you would not be under any kind of uh, obligation. We would just love to see you. Hello, sir. Hey, man. Um, is there any chance you do requests? I beg your pardon? Did you do requests? Requests? Yeah. Yeah, we preach Jesus. Have you got Ezekiel 2517? 2517. Ezekiel, yeah. Yeah, we've got that in the Old Testament, yeah. 25, hold on. I'm at 31 here. 25. And what verse? You said 17? Yeah. I'm at 14 here. And I will execute great vengeance upon them with furious rebukes, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I shall lay my vengeance upon them. Wow, what a verse. That's the God of the Bible. That's the one we have to deal with. That's not a God that we can tamper with. Is that so, sir? That was fantastic. Thank yep. you very much. Yep, you're welcome. Let's repeat it. Let's remind ourselves of the great God that we have to deal with. And I will execute great vengeance upon them with furious rebukes, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I shall lay my vengeance upon them. That's the God of the Bible, friends. But we've got good news for you today. In and through the Lord Jesus Christ, this great God is a God of mercy, of grace, of love, and compassion. But it's only in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we will not receive Christ as our Lord and as our Savior, or in other words, if we will not receive salvation on God's terms, this is what's waiting for us the wrath of God. Indeed, actually, the Bible tells us, if we go to John chapter 3. Right. I need to get on my day. Thank you very much. You're welcome, sir. John chapter 3, Is there to watch that later? verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Friends, do we realize that outside of Christ, our God is an all-consuming fire? And if we don't have Christ as our Lord and as our Savior today, in a very real sense, the wrath of God is upon you today. And you will feel that full wrath one day when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said to the Corinthians, and he said it to Christians, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And he goes on to say, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. This is why we come out this afternoon this is why we leave our manses and the leave of the comfort of our homes and come out into the street and to tell people, friends, that there's a way to escape the wrath of God, and that way is found in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. He himself did say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Now, friends, that is regarded today as a very unpolitically correct statement, but it's true.
it's true. If we're ever going to get to heaven, Jesus must take us. No other person, no other way, no other gospel, no other way to be reconciled to God. We can only be reconciled through the way that He Himself has provided. And is it not marvelous? Is it not amazing that the God that we have offended by our behavior has provided a way whereby we might be saved? What is that way? That way is through the Lord Jesus Christ to believe upon Him, to deceive Him as your Lord and Savior, to repent, to turn away from your sins, to turn away from your blasphemy, to turn away from your Sabbath-breaking, to turn away from your pride, to turn away from your fornication, to turn away from your adultery, to turn away from sin. That's what's required. Repent and believe the gospel. This, friends, is the authentic Christian gospel. The gospel that when it was proclaimed by the apostles, turned the world upside down. And that gospel is still today, even now today, the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We're going to draw our time to a close, but it has been good to be with you here this afternoon. And we trust and we pray that God will follow with his own unique blessing. Thank you, sir. Glad to see you're listening. Repent and believe the gospel. There's no other way to be saved. Turn away from your sins and embrace Jesus Christ as he is freely offered to you today in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ.